Table, your host and a co-host with me. I have Anthony. How you doing, Anthony? God bless everybody. What's up? What's up? And today we have a special guest. Um, we have Pastor Antonio Rivera. Yes. More formally or uh, well known as Tony, right? Correct? Right. Am, I, yes. am I right that's, on that? That's yeah. how we... That's how, That's how we, we know him. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is I'm going to kind of give you your resume. I'm going to let everybody know who we're talking to. Pastor currently of Iglesia Biblica Renuevo, is a chaplain, ex-military, right. and is a great husband. I'll, 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 <laughs> shout, I'll shout you out there. There you go. <laughs> Just Absolutely. met him, but I already know he's a great husband. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I know we kind of spoke Trying about a little bit. Um, we haven't officially met, um, but yes. I'm excited to kind of get to you. Anthony's been telling me a little bit about your story, and so has Yamada. So I'm really excited to kind of talk about it. Um, I know we kind of talk about what we do, but our goal as usual, as listeners are first time listening, our goal is to make sure we talk about things that sometimes are not spoken about outside the four walls, the four walls of the church. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we like to do is just kind of hear your story. How did you get from where you where you are now? And how did you get there? How did the Lord lead you to where you're at? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thank you guys for uh, having me. You know, it's an honor for me to be here with you guys, you know. Uh, Beyond Four Walls uh, podcast, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I have to uh, think about that a little bit. It's been a long journey, right? So let's, let's go, let's, let's, I guess, simplify, because I'm sure that's yeah. a lot of military, <laughs> pastor, yeah, 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 chaplain. Yeah. But I, um, I, yeah, no, no, I was say it's been a long journey, but i see if I can, you know. Summarize it, yes. Can I give you the, the uh, bite-sized <laughs> yeah. uh, version of it, you yes. know. Well, I came to faith while I was in the military. Okay. okay. You know, so uh, what branch of the military? Uh, in the army. In the army, okay. Yeah. All I right. Jo- I joined the army when I was 18 years old. I served for over 30 years. Okay. Uh, retired in uh, 2010. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, my last assignment in the military was brought me to the or- central Orlando area to okay. Orlando. Uh, that was my last assignment. Uh, so I came to the Lord in the, you know while I was in the, serving the military. And, and how did that uh, come about? Through a lot of, uh, like, you know, a lot of people come to Christ through a crisis. Uh, okay. Through a family crisis, you know. A personal family a crisis. A personal family okay. crisis. You know, I came, I came to the Lord and started walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. of course. You know, uh, uh, being in the military and serving the Lord sometimes, you know, there's two clashing uh, ideas ideals there yeah. and cultural cult- cultures, you know. And it was uh, tough at, at first, but... Uh, uh, in the same, at the same time, you know, uh, I had this uh, overwhelming experience where I, I knew that God was also calling me to the ministry and to preach His word. Okay. Uh, so uh, slowly but surely, you know, everything was developing. And once I retired, I went actually to Bible Bible College. I went wow. to Bible College at 50 years old. <laughs> hey, you're, you're, the, you're the wise elder there, huh? <laughs> yes, I, absolutely. Yeah, they often ask me if I was the professor. I said, no, I'm a student. <laughs> I'm just a student. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then yeah. from there you went straight to pastorship? No, actually, uh, when I arrived here, when I got here, moved here to o- Orlando, I started attending uh, Iglesia de Dios uh, Pentecostal in the South Golden Rod. Where, and, yeah, we were actually, we were at the same church for a couple of years. Yeah, that's where okay, I met Yamada right. and yeah. Anthony. All right, so, you, so you, after the podcast, you could tell me a little secrets about Anthony that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I don't think there's many. Of them. <laughs> so then you were there for a while and then had Yeah, I was there for a while. And uh, actually, I, you know, I served there for uh, over a little over a decade. Okay. And uh, but w- about a uh, six months, seven months, you know, attending the church, uh, one of the elders of the church kind of uh, asked me if I wanted to, ju- um, 
you know, go with him to the jail. Okay. Uh, so uh, that Which was... Uh, Jeronimo, right? Jeronimo, yeah. That's when uh, Brother Jeronimo asked me, hey, you know, brother, I've been going to the jail for quite some time, and I think you'll be great. Uh, why don't you go with me? So he actually brought me an application. Okay. okay. And I filled it out and uh, got my, uh, my opportunity to uh, visit Orange County Jail. Okay. Uh, under the... Uh, you say Ministry um, uh -huh. of Good Good News Jail and Prison Ministry, which is the jail and prison ministry that attend to the okay, and that's the one you're provide. like sponsored by, right? To yeah. get in, okay. Yeah, so uh, Good News and Jail and Prison Ministry is the ministry that uh, provides chaplaincy services for most of some of the emails and some inmates there in uh, some of the buildings in the okay. jail. It's quite a big county jail. Um, so anyway, my, uh, my first night, this is, I want to tell the story because this is, this was how the Lord hooked me yeah. into the jail ministry. Um, I go there one Saturday night at seven o'clock. I get, you know, I, you get assigned like a little classroom and you go out into the dorm and you say, Hey, I'm a religious volunteer. I'm going to do a Bible teaching. If you are willing to join, come on in, you know, oh, and okay. it's volunteer. That's how okay. it works at that yeah. time. So I think of. Five or six inmates walk into the room, and then I started to, you know, introduce myself and tell them who I was, and uh, I wanted to go right into sharing some of the words, yeah. right, with them. Uh, but one of the inmates asked, "Hey, sir, you know, can I, uh, can I worship? Can I sing a worship song?" Wow! wow. And I, I mean, I it was my first time, so I didn't know yeah, what, what to, to expect. Do. So yeah. I just said, hey, "Just go ahead." Man, and he just praised the Lord with such a uh, anointing and passion, and passion, and the Holy Spirit just filled that wow. room wow. in a way that I, at that moment my heart was pierced. You know, Man. I mean, just got hooked. You got I hooked. Got, I got hooked. <laughs> I got hooked, and I fell in love with uh, jail and prison ministry. Okay, you know, because I saw how God worked. Um, you know, in, in that setting. Nice. I, I never thought it would yeah. be it be that way. So that's how I got into jail and prison ministry years down the road. Then I became the full time chaplain. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, uh, opening came up in 2017 uh, for a Hispanic uh, chaplain. So Good News actually hired me as one of their uh, oh, wow. full time chaplains. Okay. You yeah. know, and uh, then I started working with the Hispanic population. Okay. There. And here we have a what we call a dedicated dorm. It's called a life learning group. Okay. Where inmates, you know, Hispanic inmates can come and we share the word with them uh, on a daily basis. So you're there every day? Yeah. Well, I was until December of last year. Okay. Uh, because um, even in 17, when I started working there, I knew that was like a temporary type a of season yeah. yeah 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 season right because i have always felt i i always knew that one guy was one one day god was going to lead me into pastoral ministry. pastoral ministry yeah so even when i started with good news i i kind of articulated to them and told them yeah hey, give, you, give I, him the heads up i'm here but you know until the lord you know yeah, yeah. Decides. Mm -hmm. opens so, the door yeah uh so that happened in uh last year in august last year a group of people called me in and i knew uh, that that's that's how how the Lord sh showed me the way I was going to transition. He kind of showed me that I was going to be called yeah. to pastor a group, and that's yeah. exactly how it happened. So that's how we kind of uh, then uh, that gave birth to Iglesia Biblica Renuevo, uh, which I've been pastoring for a year. So 
Okay. That's the that's the short version of a very very. <laughs> that long was a story. good good short version. I gotta <laughs> say, very detailed, and um, very to the point. I like yeah. it. Um, one of the topics um that I'm excited is that you said you're a chaplain. Yes. And I personally myself haven't had that experience at all. So it's it's kind of interesting to hear from someone that's kind of inside an inside look of how these people are experienced. Um, I just want to dive into that concept of like, how do you view, how do you view the concept of these people are in prison and God's grace to these people? Like, how did, how did, how do you overcome even by your own perceptions of these people doing such horrible things and still going in there and showing them God's grace and God's forgiveness? How do you equate human consequence? Because obviously they're in jail for a natural consequence, yeah, absolutely. and God's grace. Like, how did yeah. those are two different opposite yeah. spectrums of the of the of the of you would say uh, the word. Like, there's consequences that we face, but God gives us grace. How do you deal with that or mitigate or teach them that? Yeah, uh, well, that's a, that's a, how you say it's a, a, a grain line of thought, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and it's it's. it's it's kind of difficult at times, you know. It's kind of difficult at times. Uh, but one thing I can tell you is that uh, in jail ministry, behind, I mean, within the walls of a jail or a prison, I have seen God's grace manifested in such a way that it blows your mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're, you're dealing with, uh, like, most of the people that go to jail are, criminals yeah yeah <laughs> they're there because they, they should be there's there. there's <laughs> occasional inmate that just had a bad day yeah yeah find himself behind bars right but most of the people that go to jail are criminals they are in a criminal lifestyle they become habitual criminals and uh but you know once they're exposed to the gospel a lot of them you know has are are, are impacted by the the message of of change of hope of a new life you know uh and i have seen and i have seen the lord you know just change hearts in a in a miraculous way and um see with my own eyes as i not only evangelize the image but also disciple them you know i have i get to witness um, radical transformation radical transformation they start manifesting in, of course, you know, the way they behave themselves, the way they speak, the way they interact with the other other inmates. So, you know, the power of the gospel, it's just uh, just amazing. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. And it just really, I mean, uh, how do you say, has a, a, an impact, impact in, that, yeah. in, in, that, in that setting because, I mean, he came to seek and to save those which were lost. As, and, I'm with you. you. And, and let me piggyback off of that question because I know how we said off mic, there's, you know, a culture of, of Christianity and the culture of jail. Like how, if there's people there that are going to be there for a long time, how do you see them battling with being a Christian but still in that setting where they have to either prove to other inmates who they are or like, how do you see that battle within them? 
Uh, well, let, first, I think I have to define uh, uh, something here because a lot of people get confused about what it is a prison and what it is a jail. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I am a chaplain at a jail. Okay. In the jail, it's normally... Uh, you're waiting uh, for trial, right? You're waiting for trial. Mm -hmm, Everybody mm -hmm. in the jail is waiting for trial or they're going to, they've already been, how do you say, uh, uh, tried, and then they're in the they're transition, to transition they're transfer, go to prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, they, if they found guilty and they're, and they're sentenced and then they transition into, into the prison. Prison have a longer stay, jail have a shorter stay. Correct. Okay. So with the inmates that I deal with, I have a very short window because I can uh, okay. run into an inmate uh, today and perhaps he'd be gone the next week. Okay. Uh, and another thing is that, um, you know, in the although we are chaplains in the jail, there is no really how you say, well, there's no proselytizing in jail. Okay. So every uh, faith-based interaction, it's inmate-driven. Oh, okay. okay. It has to be requested by the inmate. Oh, okay. 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 Right? So, but we have a great opportunity because normally when they are in processing they are informed of chaplaincy services. Uh, okay. And when they are informed of chaplaincy services, sometimes they request to see a chaplain. And once they request to see a chaplain, right, then I can go and interact with that inmate and I can actually, you know, openly and freely share Is it a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one moment? Well, there is a one-on-one -on -one moment, but there are also faith-based programs Okay. That are already established in the jail that are run by by the ministries. You okay. Know? Uh, but normally, uh, to part participate in the faith based program is also a volunteer, so the inmate has to request it to be okay. transferred to that particular uh, cell dorm where the faith based program is taking place. Like Good okay. New Jail and Prison Ministry, we have two. We we have one in Spanish in the main building in Orange County, and we have one in English in Horizons building in Orange County. So we have two different buildings, we have two different life learning programs, and inmates can request to participate in those life learning programs, and they're faith-based, and every day we have different volunteers that come from the community, either religious volunteers or pastors and other faith leaders in the, in the, in the community from uh, a diversity of churches, you know, Christian churches that volunteer to come and to teach uh, the, the biblical gospel. principles. Now, do you, have a, do you have a biblical standard that each person has to teach? Because I can imagine some leaders are going to believe certain things in the Bible and you might not agree at all with what they're teaching. Is there a standard of like, okay, these are our truths that we believe in as a ministry. You had to believe in all these truths before you could teach. Or is it if I volunteer and I say I'm a pastor, like if I'm a pastor of a church, no matter how wild my ideas are, they are allowed to volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. Um, every volunteer that is going to be under our ministry is uh, f first and foremost. You know, first it's interviewed by us. Okay. Okay. And we vet them. Okay. You know, uh, make sure that they are uh, um, an active member of a local Christian church. Okay. That aligns theologically and doctrinally with what you with, what with you guys are. with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Are yes. you guys in, are you guys encountering that more, where like more people are starting to believe 
more radical things or things that are normal of today's society. For example, drinking, smoking, all these things that are becoming normalized, even in church. Are you guys encountering a lot more pastors or volunteers believing in those things? Well, you know, it's very interesting because as I, my experience with inmates, right? Uh, I mean, just think about the world they come from. I mean, they probably come from exactly from that world, the world of drinking, the world of, you know, promiscuous uh, behavior, uh, the world of, I mean, all kinds of things. And when they, when they want to draw near the Lord, um, they're they're looking for something different. Yeah, you know they're yeah. looking for something different. So um, they're they're they are the kind of uh, uh, how you say believers who are more more prone to say, hey, you know, no, this is not what we want to do. That's what kept us in okay, trouble yeah, for, okay. for so many okay. years. So yeah, nice. That kind of thing doesn't. When it comes to drinking, smoking, and, and all those liberties that many Christians have, you know, nowadays. You yeah. Know, um, I don't think that's a real problem within, within. With, the, with, the, with, with the inmates that we're, we disciple. Okay. You know, uh, I mean, we might have other kind of problems, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they, uh, one of the things that I have, we, we try to tell volunteers and tell, the, and, and tell uh, I mean, uh, inmates, we, we stick to... Certain to, topics. To, uh, we stick to... A Christ-centered gospel. Okay. Okay. You know, so we're trying to, uh, you know, really present Christ, uh, saved by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, and also, um, you know, uh, that regenerate heart. You mm-hmm. know, life change. If any man is Christ, is yeah. a new creation. You know, yeah. this is how. You know, start bearing the fruits of a new heart, of a new mind, yeah, awesome. being a new person, and um, and that's what we stick to. You know? Yeah, and and we sound like a broken record. You know, we tell them every day. But the good thing is, is every day. it's a filter of new people. So even though you might say the same message, you're getting different yeah. faces over yeah. and over. Yeah. So that's one thing about uh, the jail. That, you know, you have always, you know, people leaving and people coming. Coming, yeah. You know, but just to give you a, an idea, in Orange County alone. There's in a single year with 50,000 people processed through that jail. Wow. 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 So potentially that's 50,000 people that can hear the yeah. gospel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a, pow- it's a powerful, powerful opportunity. Yeah, it's a, it is a powerful opportunity. It's one of the biggest mission, no, domestic missionary fields in yeah. the backyard yeah, of your yeah. church. Exactly, yeah. uh-huh. Now, know? being so. a chaplain, I've been kind of excited to ask you this question particularly. Being a chaplain, I think um, Anthony might have something to say about it. God's grace, obviously, we we understand when we accept the Lord, He forgives us and all these things. Uh, how should Christians look at jails? If if we if we if Christians rule the world, would there be jails? Or when they are forgiven, they're forgiven. They don't need to go to jail. Where do you where do you draw that line of jails are necessary even in a Christian body? Or do you think if if it was a Christian world where jails exist on um, when people make mistakes. Well, you know, actually, when you when you really dig down into the history of how jails came about, jails exist because Christianity exists. Mm-hmm. Okay, you see, because uh, before you know there was just executions. 
Yeah. True. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were just executions. Yeah. yeah. You know, they just, or they chop your they, head off. Yeah. They yeah. made they a mistake. Kill them. Okay. They chop your leg off. Even in the Bible, yeah, they'll stone yeah. you. Yeah. Right. So when you really dig down into the history of uh, jails, they came about because believers believe in the uh, intrins intrinsic human worth that every human being bears God's image wow. and is worthy of dignity and respect regardless of what they have done because we really want to, when we, in the final analysis, man, we're, we all have potential to be in jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all have sin. Mm -hmm. You know, I have seen, I have seen, I have heard so many stories and I come to realize in my 12 years in the jail that one bad day can land you in jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you and your world can change completely. Yeah. Completely in a matter of minutes, seconds, you know, with a bad decision that you make. You know? Yeah. So there are people, like I said, there most of the people that are in jail are criminals. Mm -hmm. But there's there's also a lot of people in jail because they had that bad that, that one bad, bad day, mm -hmm. that bad moment who they couldn't handle. And they just mismanage completely and just turn their life upside down. Yeah. And they now they are in the judicial system. Now they facing, you know, a peer, uh, a jury of their peers, yeah. or potentially, you know, a life sentence or a long sentence or now, whatnot. Talking about life, do you do you then do you think there should be life sentences? Let's go with that. Like, at what point does God's grace come upon these people where they shouldn't be in prison their whole lives? Well, you know, uh, Abel. Yeah, Abel, yeah. <laughs> One thing that you uh, l learn in jail is there's some really bad people, too. Okay. You know? Uh, I mean, there's there's people who are, you know, just, like I said, uh, are just had a bad day. There's people who have bad upbringing. There's people who have bad... Uh, role models and landing them in a life of lifestyle of, of crime. But there's also evil people that I think uh, need to be separated from society for the rest of their lives. You know, uh, I know that might, that might not sit well with some people, but I think it, it sits well with me. You know, <laughs> no, I mean, it's <laughs> uh, having, 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 experience. Yeah, having had the experience of there's, there's some evil people. You know, there's some evil people. Let me tell you, uh, sometimes I, when I was in, when I'm in the jail, sometimes I have this thought, what would happen to Orlando if these 2,500 men that are this. here are just let out in one moment? Yeah. I mean, it would be chaos, I think, because most of them will probably just, just go back to their predator yeah. behavior uh -huh. and to their criminal behavior and, uh, that's why in in the in the jail ministry we really address real issues, you know, with the gospel. Oh, okay. And we try to bring about the life transforming experience, because that's what's going to land on the other side of that fence, a different member of society. Yeah. That's what we talk to them about. Hey, you know, your story might have started bad. It might look bad right now. Uh, there's many reasons for it, uh, but the truth of the matter is, in Christ Jesus, it can end well. Yeah, you know, so, you, can have, you can have you can have a different ending. Yeah. So the reason why I bring it up and already says Anthony might have something because we probably our second episode we talked about disciplina. Mm -hmm. 
and we talked about how do pastors pick out of the, the air six months mm-hmm. if you do this, six mm-hmm. months if we do that. My the reason why I would kind of push back is if if we're graceful for people, like who are we to say if you do this, it's a lifetime; if you do that, it's not. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. That's where I'm hesitant on is like. We're graceful for people who are doing other things, and we're like, okay, you could sin. God forgave you. Come back, you're fine. So how do they categorize? How do we? Choose, how do we? How do if as Christians, if we look at jail, how can we justify this person's going to be punished for life, even though we're saying God forgives you and He He erased your sin? Why? Why are these people? It's bad. They murder. They did this. You know, they're like you said, they're repeat. They repeat offenders. Why for someone that? fornicated or cheated on his wife or did something like that we say for you're forgiven you can be part of our church part of our community you're free god forgave you but if someone really repented in jail that's a life sentence why if they're not fully repented why can't they be free wow you know i think uh i mean repentance is what bring about you know that 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 new birth right in christ yeah. jesus through faith so uh, but an unrepented heart is, is a dangerous one. But let's say they you did know? repent. Let's, let's mm-hmm. say uh-huh. the scenario, this person's in life, they repented. We see the repentance. Yeah. We see the fruits of the Spirit. Why would they have to continue their, their, that life sentence if for other situations we're forgiving? Like, who are, yeah. who are we to decide yeah. Yeah. what's life and oh, what's, no, I, I, what's, I, what's not? I, I, I see, well, you know, we, we live in a society of laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, live, we have a code of laws uh, that set parameters for sentences, you know. And, I mean, we know uh, that the Bible calls every Christian to be subject to the law. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. this is, this, this, the legal institutions are, are established by God. Yeah. You see, they're established by God. They're not completely, how you say, uh, infallible, uh, infallible, right? Uh-huh. Because yeah. I mean, there's human beings who are within those institutions trying to manage this whole thing. And I have seen that. I have seen that as a chaplain. Sometimes I have felt bad for some inmates who I think have 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 received some unjust sentences. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it baffles me how. One can have this sentence and the other one have that sentence when, I mean, their crime, it seems to be like, almost you know, the same. <laughs> different or almost the same or, I don't know, it's, it's something that I don't thoroughly understand, okay. you know, but I, I know it's, a necess- it's necessary because we all have accountability. We all have to be responsible uh, to someone and, and, and imagine a society where we wouldn't have this type of uh, judicial system. Yeah, it really, you know, I mean, the human heart is just capable of so many ugly things and without any type of restriction, even with the restrictions, even with the laws, even, even with, with the, the people jail, still even do, with the, yeah. I mean, we see, I mean, the crime and the things that are happening in our society today. Uh, so I just, I just, I mean, it would scare me uh, a place where, you know, this, this uh, judicial system did not exist. Now, having said that, there are people who have who have really bear the fruits of a repented heart. Yeah. Right? And this is what I tell inmates. I tell inmates this. God knows you. You know, he knows your life. He knows what is the correct process for you. 
I tell them this. I tell them in, in my program, in the life learning program, the inmates the, the, the that I have in front of me every week that I teach, I challenge them with every day I, I ask this question. I said, I know that you're you're here and you're drawing near the Lord and you wanna and you want God to make a, a work a miracle in your favor and mm -hmm. you perhaps wanna walk away from this legal uh, problem that you have, uh, you know, unscathed, right? And and maybe with the best with the best end result possible. But I ask him, but what if? I mean, number one, we teach him you you gotta be accountable for your actions. Mm -hmm. You got to be accountable for your actions because one of the things that you uh, learn with uh, inmates is that they have faulty thinking, mm. right? They play the victim, you're saying. Yeah, and, and part of that faulty thinking, one of the, one of the you know, it's, it's not my fault. I'm here because of my father. I'm here because yeah, of my mother. Yeah, so we're trying, to, we're trying to say you have to take ownership of your actions. Mm -hmm. That's biblical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's we we all gonna give an account. Yeah, you yeah, know? and all of our actions have consequences. Yeah, right. And and when you truly surrender to the Lord and you wanna uh, you want the Lord to change your heart, He's He's gonna do that. But He might not change the consequences of your actions. Mm -hmm. My question t to them is: Are you willing to love Jesus? Whether he gives you a stiff sentence, mm, allow a stiff wow. sentence for your action, or are you willing to love Jesus, love Jesus only he gives you a... A, a, a good a, sentence, yeah, frees you, yeah, 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 yeah. liberated wow. of your consequences. Let me, uh, I'd like to tell you uh, a story, a uh, quick one, yeah, no, about wait, Milton. Wait. The night before I met Milton, as a young man, Milton, he had attempted to take his life. Wow. He'd been arrested a few days before, and... And uh, first time in jail, 19-year-old kid, first time in jail, wow. right? Got into a fight with other inmates. He was so scared that he tried to hang himself with the sheet of his bed. Mm -hmm. wow. The officer saw him and stopped it and sent him to the infirmary, to the mm -hmm. medical ward mm -hmm. to be observed for the night. He ran into me in the hallway the next day and said, Chaplain, because Milton is Hispanic male, young guy, and, and he said, Chaplain, he knew I'm the Hispanic chaplain, so he said, Chaplain, won't you go see this guy in the infirmary? So okay. I went to uh, see him that morning, and I met Milton, I introduced myself, I said, hey, I'm here, the chaplain, the officer asked me, you know, he told me what happened last night, he asked me to come see you, so I'm, I'm here just to check on you, right? And Milton is 19, but he literally looked like he was like 15. He looked that young. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a really scared kid, mm -hmm. you know, now in the medical ward of the jail. Mm -hmm. And so I tell him, hey, listen, I'm, I'm the Hispanic chaplain. We have a uh, life learning program. We all Hispanic. It's in Spanish. Uh, what we do is we, leave, we teach life principles there. And he said, you know, chaplain, uh, I grew up in the church. Wow. You know, he actually grew up in one of the local churches. It's yeah. Uh, in, in Orlando, I'm not going to mention it, but you know, you grew up there, and I don't know what happened. You know, I lost my way. I started hanging with the wrong people. Now I'm in big trouble. So why don't you come? Why don't you come uh, to the program? He said he immediately said, "Yeah, I'd love to," but then when I told him where it was, 
because he, he was in a different building and my program was in the same building where he had that incident. Oh, okay. mm. He said, oh no, I'm not going back over there. Mm. So I went, to, I went back to see him a couple of times, you know, until finally I convinced him, hey, you're going to be okay, you know, in the program. Nobody's going to harm you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be safe. So he agreed. We transferred him into the program. I saw Milton uh, uh, recommit his life to, to the Lord because he grew up in churches, you know. He yeah. just uh, had a, a backslide in his uh, younger years, teenage yeah. years. Uh, recommit his life to the Lord. And I saw him, observe him for almost a year, grow beautifully in the Lord, you know, bear the fruits of a regenerate heart, a new person, his glow, his face glow, his smile, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just, it was a Amazing. precious thing yeah. to see, you know, every morning. But I always, I always, uh, and he always had this hope, uh, where I, I think God is going to help me through this. But he, he has some really serious charges, right? So I always, not only him, but I, I did ask him personally on occasion, but the group as a whole, I always challenged them the same question. Are you willing to serve Jesus if, if you go to prison? Mm. You know? So trial came, and Milton was sentenced to 20 years. Wow. You know? He went to prison. Four months later, I get this letter from prison with Milton. Say, Chaplain, you know, thank you for everything you did. You know, literally, you know, Lord saved my life. I wow. am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. And, he, he, and then he ended his letter with, you always ask if we were willing to serve Jesus, even in prison. And he said, I am willing to serve Jesus. Wow. wow. You know, so Powerful. That always, uh, that always uh, chokes me up a little yeah, bit because yeah. it, it is a power story of yeah. how, uh, I mean, the Bible said in Jesus Christ we're complete. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what blows my mind about jail and prison ministry, that actually somebody can be free behind bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody can have a whole life behind bars, uh, a, a, a complete life, you know, if they're walking with the Lord, you know. So, yeah, I have to, I, I want to circle back to a, a question you asked earlier that I didn't answer. He mm-hmm. said, because I try to explain what a jail and a prison is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, this is something that I also learn ministering to inmates in the, in the prison. Because mm-hmm. I have interacted with prison inmates. Okay. Right? Uh, sometimes people that are trying to serve God or Christians in the prisons think, and I have identified this, and I, and I, and I, tackle it with the word mm-hmm. think that because I have a special set of circumstances you know I can have certain special set of concessions mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. they kind of they kind of create a subcultural Christianity mm-hmm. yeah within the prison within the prison system yeah. yeah like certain things are okay even if I'm a Christian even though if the Bible don't cause them okay mm-hmm. oh yeah you know, like contraband. Contraband is prohibited by the law, mm-hmm. right? So if you're an inmate and you're Christian, you have no part with contraband. Mm-hmm. But they think, I'm in jail. I'm in prison. There's no other way to get the things that I need except I do this little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they think that's okay. Because, of, the, because, because of they're the, in prison. Yeah. 
so okay. so i try to deal with that mindset too because yeah. like i said you have to right. i think that's that's too. even in here and outside the uh the prison walls yeah, i think we exactly. do that ourselves here yeah uh-huh. you know we try to justify things being an american i think one of the things we talked about multiple times is american christianity where uh-huh. we justify things because they're okay with culture uh-huh. we see that they're okay in our in our world because we're so american americanized yeah. that we don't follow the bible yeah and it's interesting you talked about you know we have to follow the rules of the land and things like that. Um, but one of the things that's reality is if we would have the government of the Lord, it would be a, it would be a kingdom. Like it would be a king decreeing things and following and doing like a monarchy, like a, a monarchy. Um, shout out to Queen Elizabeth, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, though we live in an American society in, in perfect world, we would have a king running our society. So how do you look at prison reform? Is that something where you think we should be more lenient? We should, how do you look at, like you said, you see some unjust rulings. How do you personally feel and look at prison yourself? Do you think we should be more lenient, more forgiving? Do you think we should be more strict? Or do you think it's never going to be fixed due to the fact that we don't have a, the Lord leading us in our, in our government? I think we should, as a society, always be looking at ways in which we can help people the most mm-hmm. to have a change in their lives. You know, so be it prison reform, being, you know, more programs in the jail, being, you know, whatever. I think we should always should be looking at ways how we can best create conditions that will that will allow people to flourish mm-hmm. you know and to have a, a, a lifestyle change you know have a change in their lives you know whether they're christian or not yeah right. you see so i think that's uh that speaks to our you know uh in, intrinsic human worth it, it speaks about you know being uh uh bearers of God image, you know, and yeah. I think that's what, I mean, even God and do you think, say make his son come out for the just and, a, yeah. and a unrighteous, you know, yeah. so. So you think everyone's, sorry to interrupt, but you think everyone's a bearer of God's image? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll be more, more, in the Bible you will see, you know, like if you're a sinner, you're a son of, son of the enemy. You're not son of mine, you're son of the enemy. So how can we be the son of the enemy and be a bearer of God's image? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I think that's uh, it's what we attach ourselves to. The Bible said if you submit to sin, you become a slave of sin, i.e. a son of the devil. Yeah. You know, if you submit yourself to Christ's kingdom and Christ's lordship, then I so, mean, you're in righteousness. Yeah. I mean, you're a son of God. I mean, uh, it, it, it's the fact is, you know, that we are God's creature. You know, yeah. and, and he created us, and he created us in his image. Now, we are fallen creatures, and because of our sinfulness and our uh, proclivity and inclination towards sin, you know, we make the devil our father. So when we, when we do that, do you think we're still bearers of God's image? Yeah, let me, let me add to that, because remember, it says we were created in, in his image and likeness. Yeah. So... What we lost in the fall was not the image of God. We still have the image because we came from him. What we lost was his likeness. Now we were no longer like God because we sinned. 
but we still bear his image because we're still created in his image. Now we lost his likeness. So that's what that's what Christianity is about is getting back the likeness. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So everybody yeah. still has the image. We're just some of us have re, re regained the likeness by allowing Christ to be our savior. Now we regain the likeness and it grows. The likeness grows every day. But do you and those those others that have not committed themselves to Christ have still have the image of God. What they don't have is the likeness. Now, when it comes to the I'll push push back or as a Christian being a son of God, you get an, a connection that you wouldn't get out not being a son of, of your father. If your father, if you're not a son of Christ, do you still bear the same benefits, quote unquote, that a son of Christ will have? That's that's what would be my that's what I mean by my pushback. Like as as son of, of God, we are given certain promise, certain blessings, certain cares. Yeah. As being actual part of the community of Christ. If we're not part of the community of Christ, do they get the same care and protection that someone that isn't part of the community of Christ should get? That's what I'm saying. Is there a distinct value, intrinsic value where if I'm part of the we're reborn, so we are reborn into this 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 kingdom. If I'm not reborn into this kingdom, should I still be getting the same benefits, treatments, and care being a foreigner to the kingdom? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, I mean, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Christian, right, you're, you're, you should be living according to kingdom principle. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even if you live in whatever culture, no matter yeah. what Correct. society, yeah. what city— we we are under Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world. Mm -hmm. Yes, in my kingdom world, this world, you know, my my followers will come and fight for me, and, and you know, so yeah. so he said, so you're a king. Yeah, I am a king. You know, mm -hmm. so as a Christian, we have Jesus' lordship and kingdom principles that override any other cultural type of tendency inclination or, or value yeah right or, Our, yeah, uh, we label. are we are driven by kingdom principle kingdom values and one of those kingdom values is to love thy enemy to mm -hmm. love thy neighbor mm -hmm. now one thing is that one thing is that i am um, i'm gonna love my neighbor but i am also gonna uh you know be mindful of if it's a criminal or not you know and yeah. i'm gonna protect my family and whatnot uh, I'm not going to seek vengeance, but I also going to protect my, you know, be smart. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is that, uh, you know, God is sovereign. He's he, every every nobody gets away. One day everybody's mm -hmm. going to give an account. An account, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to give an account. You see, and 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 you know, uh, Paul told Timothy that the sense of some men will come out. Mm -hmm. you know will be are discovered and some are discovered later mm. you know but i think what he was trying to tell uh timothy is like hey nobody gets away you know yeah even we, if you hide it later even if you hide it in, you the, know, in the throne you, of judgment you're still your sin will find you out mm. uh, grace you know the law came uh, through moses grace come through our lord jesus christ grace mm -hmm. is is what uh we are in this uh uh, dispensation of grace, if mm -hmm. we're going to call it that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in which uh, God is, you know, really uh, dispensing abundant grace upon this this world. If it wasn't like that, I mean, we'll be done long time ago. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we'll, be, we'll be done long time ago. But eventually, 
there's going to be one day where everybody's going to stand before God and give an account. Even if you, some people might get away from the law. There's, there's a lot of criminals who have never been caught. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And never been to jail. True. <laughs> nobody get a, gets away from, yeah. from God. But one thing that I wanted, wanted to say, because I think I have to say, I have to mention it, is one thing that I have learned in, in jail and prison ministry is not to count anybody out. Mm. Yeah. Because God will blow your mind <laughs> the way he will deal with some people that you will not give a chance. Yeah. You know, that yeah. you will completely discard, oh, my God, he needs to be buried under the jail for what he done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you, yet you see God just dispen- dispensing abundant grace upon that life and trying to reach that heart yeah. and change it and transform it. Yeah. You see? That's, I mean, uh, you have definitely a unique experience because I feel like I'm part of my pastoral team for my church. Mm-hmm. And though you can see some sort of grace being moved in someone's life. See, I could imagine seeing as someone that though locked up, seeing freedom in someone's eyes and someone's, like you said, smile of that, uh, um, the, of the youth you were speaking about. I'm sure that's a great feeling. And that's, that's really awesome. But one of the things uh, I have challenged about is that our government is not a, though we mentioned that we were founded by the Lord, it's mm-hmm. not Christ centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of my challenges or, or question would be is, one of the things you mentioned is we got to follow the rules of the land. Mm-hmm. But what are the rules of the land go against, as we progressively become more liberal, mm-hmm. is going to go against, the rules are going to start going against us. Yeah. We don't have the, we don't have the, the power to do yeah. the change anymore. Yeah. So like you could even look at Paul in the book of Acts where they yeah. told him stop talking about these yeah. things, but he still do it. At what point do we decide we aren't going to follow this and we are going to follow this. I, and does that become hypocritical? Where uh, we say you have to follow the rules of the land, but when it pertains to us, we're going to say it's okay to break it. Well, I think, I think that's even clearer in Scripture. Because uh, even when the disciples were you know, commanded to not to preach in the name of Jesus, they said, hey, uh, we're, who are we going to listen to? Voice of man or voice of, of, of God? You know, yeah. We have been given a... A commandment, and I think uh, we we are to be a law-abiding citizens all the way up to the point where laws uh, want our, to uh, affect our relationship with, with Christ. You yeah, know? Uh, where laws are trying to impose their values that are against Christian yeah, values when they directly values. attack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that moment, I think what we should have is that we have a disposition then to suffer for Jesus. Mm. Yeah. You know, hey, I, I'm with you. You have a yeah. to and, suffer and the, the perfect story is the Daniel story. Yeah, because obviously the government made a decree exactly mm-hmm. that they couldn't pray to any other gods except the statue, yada yada. And so that law was it. It didn't say he broke any other laws. It was that law that was specifically attacking his belief that he quote unquote broke. So like Tony's saying when it's a t- directly attacking our relationship with God, then that's so it, w- it would have to be case by case or law by law yeah. where we would not just a blanket statement, obey yeah. all. And, and you know, Hey, and the way things are going right now, I don't, yeah. I don't see a, I don't see a past, uh, maybe in the near future where we might have the opportunity to, to suffer for Jesus yeah. in this yeah. country. Uh, one of the things that I tell the inmates sometimes, you know, um, uh, 
people in that sometimes, many times. I tell them, you know, my goal is, as a chaplain, as I share the gospel with you guys here, is that you walk out of this jail and never see the inside of a jail or a prison again because your heart has been so transformed mm. that you just want to, you know, love God and, 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 and live according to biblical principles, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I say, unless they start jailing people for preaching Jesus. I'll see you back in here. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you back here. <laughs> now, moving out of the jail, um, how do you, obviously you see people that are in jail, in prison physically, but free spiritually. How do you manage, as a pastor now, see people free, but in jail uh, spiritually? Like, do you feel it's harder to present the gospel to people that are in jail and get spiritual freedom or people that are free? and jailed spiritually? What do, what do you think is a more of a challenge for you? Well, you know, I, I tell you, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that I have thought about, and I think I talked to my wife about, you know, about the difference in evangelizing in, in today's society versus evangelizing in the jail and prison. I think that's a big difference. It's because in our society, we have made, and I say we because I live in this, culture in America mm -hmm. and, yeah but you we, know, we all live in it yeah um, in they have it has been tried so hard to debunk the notion of sin mm. yes normalizing everything normalizing everything which nobody feel guilty about anything mm -hmm. bad about anything mm -hmm. people think they don't need to repent about anything and and one of the things that first you had to do in order to have an effective evangelism is convince somebody that they're in fact they are a sinner. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the toughest things because not you know, growing up in the church you know sin okay what it is, but people who never who don't have that's like why is that bad? That's normal. Everybody does it. But yeah, yeah. sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, that you have to convince them. You know, sometimes yeah. you know you're you're not as good as you, you think, think you are. You are. You yeah. Know? Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I was in a motorcycle shop. Tony knows I love motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a motorcycle shop. I started a conversation. Every time I start a conversation, you know, I have... Bring it in. Bring him Jesus. My, my, end, my end goal my, is yeah. to share the gospel. Yeah. And he just opened the door because um, I, I, we were talking about motorcycle accidents. And I said, what if you have an accident and die? Are you ready for the, the next life? You know, mm -hmm. I asked the young man. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, I think I am who I am. You know, I'm not a bad person. Mm, that's, mm. The, that's the famous quote. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a famous quote. And he, uh, I say, oh, really? How so? You know, what makes you such a good person? Kitchenot, he told me this. You know, I receive a, um, a settlement of 80 grand, and I donated $5,000 to charity. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh, and I... So he kept on talking, and he said, you know what? I also have uh, an autistic child. I have care for that child, you know, since her birth. I think I got heaven won, you know? I laugh, of course, you know, and, and I put my hand on the young man's shoulder and said, well, his name is Jonathan. I said, Jonathan, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You know, so I went up and, uh, and shared the gospel with him, what mm -hmm. the Bible says about the human heart, the human condition, who we are. Yeah. He listened. He listened intently. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know? But then I also told him about the good news, bad news. You know, hey, the wages of sin is death. 
we're all sinners, but this is the good news, you know. Yeah. The gift of God is is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So, yeah. I mean, it was a really short interaction, but it was really powerful. It was, I felt yeah. the the Holy Spirit working in that young man's heart. Yeah. You know, but it's a good representation of how many people think. Mm-hmm. I'm not that. I'm not as bad. No, you're probably not as bad as you could be. Yeah. So do you? But do everybody's you, bad. Do you think? So obviously the gospel's been watered down, as today's society we don't we preach that fire and brim. You know, everyone's going to hell if you don't repent, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Do you think that's the the right method? Should we be more aggressive on that, reminding people, you know, you're you're gonna go to hell if you don't do like, yeah. or do you think the way we do it today is is more effective? Well, I think there's uh, there's there's um, we're missing the mark in sharing the gospel nowadays because we have made men, I mean, we have made the gospel uh, anthropocentric. It's all about man, mm. and the gospel is about Christ. Yeah, he is the exalted one. He's the hero. He's the one who is glorified. We serve him, but we twisted all around and it's kind of God is subservient to man mm. and we tell people oh man you're you know you don't know how much God loves you and how great you are and how and everything and and everything that God has done to 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 save you and he wants to love you and he and we make this lovey-dovey type of uh, uh, message yeah. right and and uh, and 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 people think that you're so important and so great. <laughs> it's, and, it's, it's, and, it's true, though. It's true. And it's, it's true that God loves us. Yeah. It is true that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Yeah. So whoever believes in him shall not perish. That is true. But the fact of the matter is that Christ died for sin. He, 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 in, in, uh, in the cross, he bore our sin, mm. sins of humanity. The reason he had to die was because of our sinfulness. Because of us. Because of us. You know, we deserve the cross. So, what we need to tell people more, I think, is repent. You don't hear that anymore. You hear the gospel proclaimed, you don't hear anybody calling people to repentance. Yeah. Because repent implies you have done something wrong mm. and you need to change your mind, change your way, and, you know, start mm-hmm. thinking and acting differently. Yeah. You see? But we don't do that anymore. We just say, God loves you and you will do him a great favor if you love him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely true. Um, but I do kind of want to, um, we talked about chaplain being pastor. I do want to kind of dive in the military, your military life. And as Christians, should we agree in militari- militarizing our society? Or should Christians even join the military? Or should we think that's the violence or that type of thing is not something we should do as Christians? How do you, how do you justify military being a Christian? Let's go with that. Well... You know, um, there's a there's a story in the gospel with a uh, Roman soldier. You know, came to Christ. You know, and and there were few people ask him, 
you know, how should, how, how should, what should they do? He told the Roman soldier, hey, just be content with your wages and don't, don't ask for my, what, more than what you're, you, you are getting paid for. He didn't tell him, leave the Roman uh, legion, you see. Uh, I mean, God is called the Lord of hosts. He has an army. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think, um, I mean, I'm biased in this, in this point mm-hmm. because yeah. I love the military. <laughs> I came to Christ in the military. Mm-hmm. The most godly people that I met were military. My first pastor was a special forces sergeant. Yeah. Wow. You know, a guy who can sneak in a place into the night and kill the enemy <laughs> and go home and be eating, you know, dinner by the yeah. time, you know, anybody knew what happened. Yeah. You see. Um, so I think there's a place for a nation to have an army to defend its values, especially if they have Christian values. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, it's all. It's all about. It's all about. I think at this point, I will say it's about how you personally feel. Um, when I was in the military, of course, I didn't. When I joined the military, I, I wasn't a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I came to Christ, and then I started learning, you know, um, Christian values, and then I started learning that this nation was founded by people who wanted really Christian liberty, you know? And the history of this nation is, is the foundation of this nation comes from Judeo-Christian principles, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. see? And, 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 and we love freedom, and we, we want to have the, uh, a place where people can practice their religion free. You yeah, know? but are we, and, are and, we called and, to protect that? Uh, I mean, if that was the case, I mean, the reason why I would push back on protecting our freedom is because even when the disciples suffered, they didn't fight back. They just accepted the oppression. Yeah, so, but, but, but I think they, they didn't militarize their. their so their, your main point is the violent part of it. The killing, if you have to kill enemy soldiers. The defending of your freedom where the disciples, when they were, were being oppressed, the whole church was being oppressed. They didn't militarize the primitive church. They accepted the oppression as part of rejoicing in the suffering of the Lord. What, how can, why should we protect our freedom as Americans instead of accepting the oppression that we might receive of not having it? Why should we militarize to defend it? Well, because, I mean, what kind of nation you want to have if you don't defend it? But who, but where, I'm sorry to push back, but where, where is, it's, we have an example of oppression of a church in after Jesus dies, but we don't have an example of militarizing against that oppression. Why should we now decide that our freedom is worth militarizing against? No, no, but, uh, but I think there's, 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 there's two things different here. I mean, as a Christian, if I'm persecuted as a Christian, I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I'm, I am not called, I am, I am called to suffer for Christ, you know, to partake in his suffering. I think that's different than a nation having a, a military to defend its values, to defend its territory, to defend its citizens, you know, from invasions, from other people, other countries, you know. So the, because, se- so the separation because, comes from the physical versus the spiritual. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, well, you know, th- what I'm saying is, you know, uh, 
if you're if you're a nation with uh, certain values that you let's say for instance you know in america we value human life right we we we, we value our, our our freedom of religion our freedom of speech if you don't defend that from uh foreign, foreign. enemies mm -hmm who want, want to come in here and impose their values. And their values is we oppress women, we oppress minorities, we decapitate whoever, you know, doesn't follow our God. Uh, you, you just can't have that. But, you know, because but, we, we really have real enemies. But why, but why do we fight? My question is, who are we to say that we are supposed to defend that freedom? But you're, you're saying it as... In a physical sense. But are you saying it as citizens of that country or as Christians? As Christians in general. Like, we're saying this because we're an American. We have this this idea of defending yeah. our freedom. But let's I'll, I'll extend it even further. Let's go with the oppression of China and the, the, the Christians in China. Are we saying we should encourage them to defend and fight back in the government in a physical way because they're oppressing their our values and ideas? Well, you know what? Because we can go both sides on that and yeah. extend it there. Let me tell you something. I think if if Chinese people will even have the potential to do something like that, there would be an uprising. They will throw the dictator government out. But would you encourage the, that? The, the reason it being is precisely the, the dictatorship uh, governments take away the, the, weapon. the, the capability of the people of, 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 of you know, pushing back of any type of uh, oppression so my my question would be you know do we want to be china in america no but our, of our, course not i agree with you i wouldn't want to live in china but our 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 goal is not to make this a good life our goal is to have relationship and live a better life after no so yeah. so my my the reason why i push back on militarizing a society is because our goal is not to defend our principles here. Whatever happens here and the consequence, it's a consequence of sin of what we live here, of, of these dictators, and all, it's a consequence of sin. So who are we to bear arms to defend and have a freedom here because we were born here and not accept the consequence of sin and move on to the life that we, if we, we die because of it, if we become oppressive, if our women become oppressed, that's a consequence of the physical sin. Who are we to justify a good life here to kill other people and do other things because we want the, the convenience of a good life here? Who are we to decide that? Well, um, let me see how I, I get you, you could, that, that, that's my, that's my perspective of we're, we're very biased because we were born here. Let me, let me just, let me just say this. I mean, I don't, I don't agree that you can militarize a society. Nation has a military to defend its territory from foreign enemies and perhaps domestic. You know, I swore to that uh, for for many many years. I will yeah. defend, you know, and protect the constitution and, and uh, of the United States against uh, foreign and domestic, and domestic. And uh -huh. enemies. Right. So, no, we don't want to have military running around our streets and 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 and. Uh, yeah, a government using the military to control its citizens. That's not what the, uh, the United States Army is about. It's about defending the freedoms that we have from those who want to take it away. Now, we are stewards of this life. God has given us, put us in this place, in this earth, 
with all this fault, he put us in this earth to be stewards of this of this life. To manage right? the earth, yeah. To manage it, right? And and we do that as Christians, we do that with Christian principles. So we want to promote Christian values, Christian principles, and we want to promote everything that will uh, how you say better our our community our our citizenship yeah. and our and our lifestyle right and we have we want to have the opportunity to perhaps you know um you know help others and love others and aid others that are you know less fortunate than ours than than, than i mean less fortunate than we are um so you know as far as militarizing a society no i don't think that's that's right that's what dictators do you know uh, as far as defending, you know, our values, I think we sh we ought to. And, 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 uh, but how do we know that's the will of the Lord? That's what I'm asking. How do we know that we should be defending our values? Well, because I know, because the Bible says that all those institutions, even the Roman soldier, bears the sword because God allows him to bear it. There's no other institution in this world unless established by God. Paul makes that very clear in, in Romans. He said every, every institution is established by God. So then, you see, so now, now uh, of course, that's why we also are called to pray for our leaders, to pray for our governments, to pray for, to our, avoid for, our, for our governmental institutions. So we live in a, in a, in a, in a society in which we can flourish, you know, not a dictator, not an oppressive society, not an oppressive government. We don't want that, you know. So we can we can live quietly, and in that living quietly, I think that Paul has in mind having a, a a ground in which we can actually share the gospel, share the gospel with with people without being persecuted by the government. Yeah. That's what we have here. Hopefully, it will never change. You know, but even it, our, it even looks our, like it's, <laughs> it's changing. It looks like it's dangerous right now, but hopefully we'll never change. You know, because I mean, right now we have this this opportunity to, to tell other people about how to really find real freedom. Yeah, you have certain freedoms in America by virtue of being an American citizen. That's you're not really really free because unless only unless you're in in Christ, He's yeah. the only who can mm -hmm. really set you. Yeah. Free. My only worry is, especially here in Florida, you probably see it as well, even being a pastor, is that justification of defense could extend very hard where we become too defensive of our own lives. That's so, my. So the real question is, like, I think it's what you're trying to ask. Should a Christian bear arms and. In general, like, for example, should we defend our family with, with weapons? Like, it, you could. If we're going to use that line of thought, how far does defending ourselves or accepting the the consequence of sin or accepting the will of the Lord to, for us to die? Like, how far, if we're going to use that line of thought, justifying your values, your freedom. The Second Amendment. Like, yeah. Does that does that justify me as a Christian if if I see someone breaking down, I'm just going to shoot them and kill them? Or does that justify if, mm -hmm. if I feel threatened, I could, I could attack and, and defend? At what point do we accept what's happening? Like, yeah. and that's, that's where my worry is that no, I, I, we, I, we've, I we, we value, well, at what point do we value too much this life yeah. to defend this life and defend the, 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 the freedoms that we do have? So yeah. I, I, I understand where you're coming from because 
I mean, I think uh, there's a segment of Christianity that is portrayed as just, you know, having their Bible and their gun and their flag and uh -huh. their nationalism and their patriotism and they're willing to, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as a Christian and as an ex, I mean, being ex-military, I've been around guns, guns all my life. Uh -huh. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I joined the army because I want to go play with guns, you know, <laughs> blow yeah. stuff up, you yeah. know, and I did, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm not uncomfortable with guns. I serve as a police chaplain for a couple of years too, you know, Orlando police. Uh, I was their chaplain for a couple of years, one of their chaplains. Oh, okay. Just go out with officers, you know, and, and do uh, night rides with them, you know, and I see what's going on in the... So officers, you know, they, they defend us. We have law enforcement and whatnot. Now, I think we as, as human beings, God has built in us this unique sense of preservation. That's why when you're going to fall, you put your hands first. Mm. You don't put your face. <laughs> yeah. Most of if somebody <laughs> if somebody throws something at you, your hands come out quicker instinctively. Mm. Yeah, because you're protecting yourself. If you see your child in danger, you run after him to remove him from that danger. It's instinctively. You don't even have to think about it mm. because I I think God built in a human being that instinct of preservation, preserving life. It's it's innate. Yeah, it's an experience. In, in, in us, mm -hmm. right? So I have thought about this a long time for a, for a long time because I have I have a lot of friends who who have you know how you say I have a lot of friends uh, in the military and Christian friends who have no problem with um, concealed carrying a weapon. That's their that's their decision. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think for me, that's not for me. Yeah. You know, but I can tell you that if somebody breaks into my house and try to harm my family, that's, that's I my... am going to defend <laughs> them to my death. That's my challenge. Like we're like, I am obviously, let... obviously I'm not gonna let my daughter just get beat up by someone. Mm -hmm. But at, at what point is it a sin using, like, at what point does the aggression deadly force? Does deadly force does deadly force a sin? Should I just push them off as a Christian? Like, where's that fine line of like, you're being violent, yeah. and you're or you're defending yourself? Should that's that's even myself. I struggle with that. Um, I personally myself and I'm a believer. Where we, so there was an example about three years ago, a, a Baptist church, if I'm mistaken, South Car South Carolina got shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they, that. They didn't yeah. do anything. All they said, they forgave the kid. Yeah, they yeah. forgave him. They didn't have no guns. Two years ago, a church, I think, was another in Florida, South Carolina. They started shooting, and then there was a guy in there that shot him. No, yeah. was it, I think it was Texas. Texas. Either way. Either yeah, way, there was Texas, a, yeah. that they, sh they shot the shooter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole conversation was focused on the gun laws instead of God's forgiveness of that. that. So I, I think about those two stories where no one shot this person. A lot more people died. But the whole story was about, wow, these people forgave. These people turned their cheek. Like, they were willing to forgive the shooter. The other one protected his people, shot the guy. No one really died. 
But the story wasn't about the Lord anymore. The story is about the gun, the protection, and things like that. So that's where I look at it is like, if we bear arms, is that going to take away from the story of God's grace and love, accepting God's will and accepting? That's where the challenge of that balance of it's God's will protecting ourselves, the story of God's, of, of, of God's gospel, spreading God's gospel, and even in the most difficult times. So, um, so that's, that's, a, that's a, I think, a challenge that uh, it's current in our society. Yeah. And I think especially more and more in Florida as we become more factuated and polarized and Republican Democrat and gun yeah. laws and things like that. Yeah. I just fear Christians are holding on to the protection too much. Well, the thing yeah. is that, you know, most people, you know, use the story of when Peter pulls the sword out and all that to say, oh, look, Jesus told them if you if you kill by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And they use that to say, oh, that's why we shouldn't have weapons. But yeah. if we think about it more, he said all, all he all he said is if you kill by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Right. Something like that. He doesn't say now go get rid of your sword. <laughs> he never told him get rid of it. He still had it there. So I get like I just I think it's just situational and like the prime the primary thought should be we should pray so that those things don't even happen so we don't have to even get into that but i agree with tony if somebody comes to my house i'm gonna yeah protect I mean, my family yeah, it's, and and i think with uh i mean we live we live in a in a nation that allows us you know to have a um the right to bear arms mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's protected by our constitution right <clears throat> and the reason that was in, in in there is precisely because that will give the power to the people, not mm -hmm. the government, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? To avoid tyrannical governments, mm -hmm. right? Um, when you when you look back at every tyrannical government in history, they disarm their people. They take the guns first, yeah. Because you know they 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 make you incapable of resisting anything. So, so I'm like I said, I uh, I'm an ex-military. I love the you know the 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 Constitution of the United States. <laughs> I I swore to I was willing to give my life to defend it. Because when you're when you're a soldier, that's what you sign up for. Correct. Yeah. Willing to to give your life to defend the Constitution of the United States. So I have no problem with. Anybody who exercises that right. Uh, me personally, as a pastor, as a Christian, I have thought about it. Like I said, I have. And, and, and I'm not going to deny that I am like a military, you know, I'm fascinated Vice. by it. <laughs> I, 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 all kinds of uh, weaponry. Yeah, weaponry. Yeah, yeah. I, it's fascinating to me, you know. And I have uh, played with a lot of them, mm -hmm. you see. Uh, but I'm not going to walk, me personally, I'm not going to walk around with a firearm. No. I have my brother who does. I have a lot of chaplain friends who, who do. Other, I have no problem with that either, you know, because I'm I I I am not gonna, how you say, um, judge their their freedom and their conscience. But do and we do we justify because it's okay in our society, similar to what you're saying that subculture of the jail where like mm -hmm. they justified that because it was everyone doing it, mm -hmm. just. Just because it's 
right in our constitution doesn't make it right as a Christian. Because obviously, our con- though we're you know based in like our government, one is it's not a kingdomship, so it's not it's not a monarchy, so it's not a truly a biblical government. And then two, like our government is not centered in the Lord, so the using that as our moral standard wouldn't wouldn't is is not the best measurement of of what we should do or not do. Though, like you said, we should abide by the laws. Yeah. Just because it's available for us to do doesn't yeah. give it make it a good measurement of. Yeah, but you have you you have so many people like I mean you can use weapons for sports. You can use weapons. For I mean, I'm hunting. saying this. I just bought a shotgun. I'm or, saying all this. Yeah. I just bought a shotgun for clay shooting. Yeah, you I, can, just, you I can just use went it clay for shooting. Sports. Yeah, so clay shooting is great. Yeah, you know, uh, um, you know how you say. Uh, uh, Tiro al blanco. I mean, uh, target shooting. Yeah, target, target shooting. shooting. Yeah, it's a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. A lot of people have arms and will never harm another human being. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, now, yeah. now criminals do. Yeah. I think it all goes down to intent. The Bible says that God knows the intention yeah. of our hearts. So if I have a weapon in my house, in case somebody comes in and breaks in to defend myself, or it's being used as a defensive tool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're going out carrying it because you want to show everybody oh i'm the top dog out here if you try me you know i'm a or if you're using it oh this guy did something to me i know where he lives i'm gonna go yeah revenge exactly then god knows the intention you're using it for negativity for vengeance that's i think is more it has to do more with intent of the heart than the actual of whether or not you should have or use violence yeah i mean it's it's a fine line. I think like we we said before, the Lord lives in paradox. He wants peace and tranquility, but, but he, uh-huh. he had basically the people of Israel kill everyone that was in the promised land. <laughs> exactly. So it's like he does both things. Where uh-huh. like he we we were called to the the people of Israel were a powerful army that you know defended themselves. They did many things, but Jesus told Pete. I mean, told Peter, put it back your sword. So it's like we live in this paradox, and I, I think it's tough because. It's discernment, and that's where yeah. that prayer of that's where prayer becomes a big part yeah. because yeah. and personal conviction, you know. Yeah, what I mean, like I have, I have, uh, you know, searched my heart in all these matters. You know, I served for thirty years in the military. I was never mobile. I I was never deployed to an actual war, and okay. I served through three. Wow. Why the Lord never allowed me to go <laughs> to mobilize there? You know, every time I was doing something else that I was never. You know, went to a active uh, active uh, combat zone. Yeah, to a, uh, a, a war front. You know, many of my friends did. You know, friends who I have friends who lost their lives. You know, in the battlefield. Um, my father, you know, he served in two wars. You know, and my older brother served during the Vietnam era. My son uh, was in the Air Force. My younger son, you know, has been deployed like five or six times already. Wow! Wow! The different war, you know, zones. So, um, you know, but I have, I have often, often um, thought about, you know, the scenario in which you have to take somebody's life in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's not a good. It's not a good scenario, you know. To me, it doesn't feel doesn't feel doesn't feel good. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have so I have also thought about the scenario when somebody tried to harm my family, 
And I know exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I, if, I'm, if, if, if that's going to be my day that the Lord has said for me to go meet him, that would be <laughs> yeah. the day. But it would be defending my family. Yeah. It's, you know? it's, it's a tough line. Yeah. Um, to kind of wrap up, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about was being, seeing people in the military, you know, being in the military, defend, you know, sworn to, to defend the freedom that we have here, seeing people in prison, what do you feel is the the biggest abuse of Christians do of their own? Like taking it over, uh, what do you say? Not advantage. They, uh, like they're ungrateful for their, what do you think that they abuse? Like they don't realize that the freedom they have, what do you think is the most common thing that they don't see? Like this is an actual gift that you have. Where do you think we, we don't see that the most? Yeah. Great question. I, 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 uh, when I, when I stationed in California, I had a, uh, a soldier that worked for me that I was very fond of him. He was a short little guy named Wei from Cambodia. Wow. You know? He was orphaned in Cambodia. Wow. Uh, when he was a little kid and a, uh, a missionary uh, couple, a doctor him, brought him to the United States. Wow. His dream was to join the military, you know? and serve the nation that gave him an opportunity to uh, a good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see? Way used to tell me, Sergeant Major, I don't understand what these young people are so ungrateful of this nation. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Coming from a, you know, an immigrant, somebody who grew up, grew up in a, you know, during a war-torn country, Mm-hmm. Who, you know, who became orphaned because of the of it. Uh, so I think people in I mean people in America are so spoiled. Yeah, you know, especially young people. <laughs> they don't know how good they have it. You know, uh, they're just not grateful. And 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 the reason you know we have all the blessings that we have in this nation is because. There were generations before them who were willing to give it all. Yeah. You know, to create a land, to have a, a place where their families, their generations that they dream about, you know, coming after them will have a good place. But I think um, that whole message has been, you know, lost and, and people are just ungrateful about living in the kind of place that we live in and every, everybody feels so entitled and they're so critical and it's incredible that Americans nowadays you hear young people rebelling for the sake of rebelling, you know, and yeah. mm-hmm. hating America and calling America all kinds of, all kinds of questions. And that's interesting because I think it was the last episode we talked about traveling and stuff. Yeah. Because um, that's something I've noticed in, you know, not only traveling recently around the world, but my my parents are from Dominican Republic, as you know. Mm-hmm. Especially my dad, he's from the Campo. So, you know, I grew up visiting his family with, you know, they have a letrina, an outhouse in the back, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. house mm-hmm. made of planks of wood, dirt floor. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to that. So I have an appreciation for, for this country where, we don't have to live in those conditions. Yeah. So you see these other countries and you're, it gives you a, a different perspective. 
not only as you know a citizen of this great country but also as a christian realizing the gifts and the blessings that god has given us in the society that we live and that's the problem with a lot of the young people they've never been outside Close. outside of the country let alone outside their state so they they've outside ne- their house <laughs> yeah so they don't experience and see the poverty yeah. of other people yeah. to appreciate what they have so yeah and i yeah. And, and i think uh you can see that in the book of judges they were received their freedom they'll be all good with the lord they don't have no oppression and then you'll fall into yeah. sin because i think it, we were designed to work and when as mm-hmm. we work for our food and having to work to survive allows us to be reminded that we need to be dependent on a higher power. Mm-hmm. Have everything given to you. You could order food now on your app, and it'll come to you. You don't even have to get out of your house. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to get pretty much anything. You get groceries at your house. Those freedoms naturally make you, like you said, it's about you. You could depend. I don't. Exactly. Why do I need God? I could, I could order food. Yeah. I, the ego, I don't, yeah. I don't need yeah, to pray for God. I, I work for myself. I get myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that natural technology and independence we've given ourselves through technology and things mm-hmm. like that, where in a natural world where you have to hope that rain comes down so the crop your grows crops so grow. you could be able to eat, feed your family or if you're going to go hunting, that, that there's a, something out there, there's a deer that you could find so you could you know, feed your family. I think we're, we're not meant to be exposed to so much technology because it takes away from the experience of yeah. what we were truly created to do. Yeah, we become spoiled. And even uh, piggybacking what you said about traveling, I went to Africa in 2013, mm-hmm. not to for leisure, for a, mi- for a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And I preached in a jail in Africa. Wow. Oh, wow. Now, when I got back, I tell the guys in, in our jail, hey, you're in a <laughs> five-star resort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're in a five-star How was resort. That? That, was, that was the most hard. I can only describe. I can only describe that jail in this way. I think the best characterization I can give it. When they opened that gate and I walked through that gate and I saw that sea of men in that jail, I I seriously, I thought this is probably what hell looks like. Wow. Wow. Seemed to me, I really, I literally froze. I paralyzed in the, in the, with the the amount of people, with the sight I have in front of me. Wow. Uh, that many people. And the chaplain actually pushed me and said, hey, keep on walking. You can't stop. Uh, because it was horrendous. It's in the, it's, it's, uh, um, Loam. It was in, um, in Loam in, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the, the city was Loam. I'm trying to remember now the Africa country, um, now it doesn't come to mind, but uh, we went in there. I, w- I walked in that in that jail, and uh, it, was, it was horrendous. Wow, you know, uh, because in that jail they don't they don't give you food. They don't have a roof over you. It's just a wall. Wow, wow, yeah, in Togo, Togo, yeah, oh, long Togo. I just, I yeah, just it came it back to me. Togo, uh, it's just a wall with sentinels, you know, guards in the mm-hmm. in the in the towers, mm-hmm. and a sea of people. In, Rain, shine, whatever, no roof, you know. nothing, no they, cells, no nothing. No, in in the walls they had like these little dungeons where they had the sick people. Oh wow! And we went in there and uh, and prayed for those sick men. And I mean, it was just, it was just, it was incredible. What I I can't describe it. I don't have wow. the word to really give you a word picture that is accurate of what that jail looks like. You know, there were naked men walking around. They had no clothes. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, there were sick men with, with you know, with, I mean, just hernias as big as my head hanging wow. on the side of their, you wow. know, uh, stomach and um, skin diseases and eye disease, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I see, wow. I, I saw an, Im, uh, an inmate there literally trying to grab uh, an animal from the from the floor, yeah. see if we can cook it in something that he was trying to cook in a can wow. with a little fire. I mean, it's just horrendous. I, it, people, that's an African jail. You wow. Know? And uh, so when I got back, I said, oh, my God, guys, you know, you're, you, you know, you're, even inmates in America are spoiled. Yeah. So do you, th <laughs> do you think it's necessary? Like I was, we, we just talked about this last week. So you think it's necessary for Christians to travel to be reminded of these things? Oh, absolutely. I think it's a, every missionary, short missionary tip, trip that I have taken to different countries, I have been ministered more than what I have ministered because the Lord has always uh, done something within me that I, you know, yeah. that have blessed me and helped me appreciate, you know, uh, what we have. Now, last, last question for me is, Who do you think everyone should? Is you think there's a certain type of people that should be chaplain, or anyone can be a chaplain? No, there's a certain kind of kind of people need to. It takes a special kind of uh, um, person to be a chaplain. Okay. Right. You have to be highly compassionate, but you also have to be very uh, emotionally strong. Mm -hmm. Right. Because in uh, and also, I mean, you have to you have to have a great amount of discernment. You have to definitely be somebody who's if you're going to be an effective chaplain, you have to be somebody who who has a strong prayer life, who you know who has a, a, a great sense of discernment, you know, and who's walking very close to the Lord. Because uh, jail and chaplain ministry it's is very taxing uh, emotionally. I mean. And spiritually, and there's mentally. moments, and mentally, and it's tiring in many, many ways. There's moments in the jail where I felt, man, I need to get out of here. I need to go. I need to really hit the door and, and, and get a break because their need is so great. You know, the stories are so heartbreaking sometimes. Uh, so you can actually have what is called secondary trauma, and you got to have a, a really good. Uh, how you say support system and a mm -hmm. good strategy to self to 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 maintain yourself self-care mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know yeah. if you don't have that and of course you know you got to have you know a great level of compassion so uh there's um i have i have ushered visitors in the jail that are in the ministry pastors and other who might want to you know see what jail ministry or prison ministry is and some have walked away on one just one business uh, this is this is not for me <laughs> wow you know this is not for me yeah i think the lord has to really you know put that in your heart yeah you know see he has to grab you um and um, i think those are the best chaplains and how do you think so like one of the things you said was one of uh, a job as a chaplain. If I never see you again, I did my job, right? Mm -hmm. As a church, how can we support the 
ex-felons or people that come out for them not to get out there? How do we support you to make your mission a reality where how does the church become more effective reaching people that have come out, criminals that have come out? How do we create a system where we could be a support when they come out to what? What do you think is missing on our side as a church, like the outside world? I am glad you asked me that question. That's a great question. And really one of the one of the greatest needs of a chaplain is to have within the Christian community, you know, uh, good support. Yeah. Chaplains often are, one of the things that I love about jail ministry is also one of the downfalls of it is that you're talked away, you're not in the public eye, nobody sees you, mm-hmm. you're alone, you're the one man in that building or that dorm uh, dorm or that uh, attending to the needs of many inmates, you know, you don't have, most chaplains operate, you know, it's a one-man show, they yeah. operate by themselves, right? They need a lot of support from the community. Uh, they need those connections with pastors and other faith leaders who will call upon them and check on them every now and then and pray for them and encourage them and be available uh, to them in case they, they need, you know, they mm-hmm. need an outlet, right? So that's that's one thing, that the chaplet itself needs that, that support from the Christian community, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the second thing is that the church, is, there's a lot of things that churches can do to help the chaplain. One of, one, of the, one of the things that breaks our heart is that we see inmates in there and we see them come to Christ. We see them walk with the Lord. We see how God is working in their lives. But once they leave our institution, we lose connection with them. We don't know what happened, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the church can help with that, you know, by either opening um, maybe coming up with ministries that are geared towards helping people in the re-entry process because people are leaving jail and prison. They're going to go back into in the society, and they are faced with many challenges. Some of them don't have places to live. Some, some of them don't have family nearby. Some of them don't have, I mean, basic things. And when they get out, uh, I mean, they're they're... They're challenged with all this, right? And and uh, and if churches can come alongside, just to give you an example, uh, let's say a church can say, you know what? If you come out of prison and you don't have a place to stay, our church will 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 pay four nights in a hotel so you can stay your first four nights, and that's our ministry to you. Uh, or or, you know, we have a food pantry that you can come in and get food. Or, you know what, we have uh, maybe a, a thrift store here mm-hmm. where there's some male clothing. If you come out, you don't have, we, we're going to clothe you and we're going to give you some things so you can go out and, and start job. looking for a job. Or maybe we can help you write a resume. Or maybe we can maybe connect you with uh, social uh, services. services in the community that can help you out. Things of that nature. There's many things that the churches can do. And that's right. why that's why I, I I where I work now. I, I spoke to you about it before. That's what we do as a work release program. Mm-hmm. So we get these inmates from the Department of Corrections who are about to finish their sentence, and that's pretty much what the what the organization does. It helps them. It we 
we house them there. We get them. We have people who work with them to get them jobs. And then we start, we open accounts for them, start saving their money. Mm-hmm. And that way, so when they're actually done with their sentence, they actually have some money in their hand. We, we organized and we communicate with their family so we can find them a place to 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 go after they they leave and that's you know it's fulfilling to see that there is actually ministries that do that but yeah. there's never Brid- enough you with bridges yeah mm-hmm. yeah with bridges yeah they do but a great job like you said there's 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 not enough I if, mean, if all the enough. churches in the yeah, city would exactly. would have a program it it would help a lot more yeah yeah it's it's tough they're they're already in a they're already behind the eight ball with having this record and stuff like that yeah as a church, it gives us an opportunity, like you said, to really yeah. show that love extending beyond just that, those yeah. four walls of the of the prison, or four mm-hmm. walls of the jail. Yeah. And I think uh, something, you know, is not mentioned very often in church itself, you know. Yeah. It's a, a reminder that there's people lost, and that's what we're, we're not meant to preach to the people that are saved every, every Sunday. We're meant to find the people that are lost, go out, find those people. And uh, really show them God's grace and love and, and bring them back to the community, a real community of people that can help them and support them. Yeah, and, and I will say, I mean, for the listeners of this podcast, if there is a, uh, a pastor out there or um, any other type of ministry that have not reached out to their local chaplain to do so, you know, call them up, say, hey, how can we help you? I guarantee you there's something that get, they can do that will help that chaplain. You know, be more effective in their ministry. Sometimes we need Bibles. Sometimes we need good books, Christian material, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, uh, to continue to disciple the inmates. I mean, there's so many things. And, and I think it's interesting what you, do. what you said was, you know, this is the best missionary, like local missionary. This is the best domestic missionary. Domestic, field. But yeah. a lot of times we're like, oh, let's give money to yeah. Africa. Let's yeah. give yeah. money yeah. to China. And then we're, the, our own people that live here, we we're just. We're not helping it. We just walk by and like then there's no one here. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's an it's an eye opener to like to hear from you. You know, like there's people here that we, we don't have to drive too far. We don't have to go. To, yeah. It's great to go to another country. It's great to go to you know all these places that are surrounding us and help them. But at the same time, if we're not even helping the people that are right next to us that need the help so desperately, like why are we going so far? We we could yeah. go right here. Absolutely. And I, and if any of any of your listeners, you know, or you know, have a love for the Lord and feel a burden in their heart to uh, come alongside their local chaplain and want to minister in the jail and the prison, I mean, I encourage them to reach out. They will know immediately when they walk into that cell or that dorm, or uh, uh, and start, you know, interacting with the inmates. They will know immediately. They will know. The Lord will give them a conviction if that's for them or not. Yeah. You know, because I haven't had that experience. I have volunteers who walk in there the first day and say, I'm not going back. I have volunteers who walk in there and said, man, I, I, I got to do this. Yeah. You know, and um, at the end of this month, we are going to honor one of our volunteers. Actually, the guy who brought me to the jail 13 years ago, oh, Eronimo wow. Ramos, he's retiring. Oh, yeah. He's 92 years old, 92. Wow. And he's been going to the jail for 25 years. Wow. So he started going to the jail at 67 years old. Quit at 92 because his health, health don't allow him to continue. But faithful for 25 years. Yeah. You don't know how many lives he has impacted through, all, all, you know, that uh, two and a half decades. Yeah. No, it's, 
we appreciate you coming on. And this is the reason why we wanted to do this podcast. Because a lot of things that, you know, local churches or even Christians ourselves, we don't get exposed to. We don't talk about, you know, a lot of this stuff about chaplain and the need of all these things. That's the reason why we want to do this podcast. And we encourage, you know, like you said, the listeners, if you if you need that information, reach out to us. We'll connect them to you or connect them to the chaplain organization you worked with. Or um, churches, if you guys are interested in, in finding ways to, to engage with the people that need that love more than ever, mm-hmm. to feel that grace and forgiveness more than ever, mm-hmm. reach out to us. We're, that's what we're called to do, to work in creating that community of, of, um, of running out to those people that are lost and showing them that love and telling them you are a bearer of God's image. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, um, Tony or Pastor Antonio Rivera. Thank you for coming. Um, my name is Evo. Again, this is Anthony. And I want to say I was really looking forward to this because you're a big mentor to me and my wife and my brother-in-law. We, uh, they respect you, and I know they've you've been a big part of their life, so I'm very happy to have you today on this episode. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I thank you guys for the opportunity to be here. My pleasure. We'll, we'll bring you back another time. Yeah, yeah. bring you. Yeah.